Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. As the year draws to a close, on today's Money in the Market, let's take a closer look at the developments that shaped our financial markets throughout 2023. Inflation and interest rates have been the key market catalysts and buzzwords of this year. On top of that, if you remember, we saw various global events impacting our financial markets, such as the Fed's rate hikes, the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, as well as the ongoing geopolitical tensions. So what were some of the top asset picks of this year behind all of this backdrop? And will they continue to be the top picks for next year? What are the key factors we should have our eyes on in the year ahead? Well, joining me on the phone today to tell us more is Paul Chu, who's the head of research at Phillips Securities Research. Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, Great to be back again. Glad to have you back on again. Paul, how was the year 2023 for markets? Did it surpass your expectations? It did. I think Singapore and Southeast Asia were generally down. I think that was within expectations. But we experienced a very stellar U.S. equity market. Mm. Uh, you know, we expected sluggish markets as economic momentum was generally weak. Uh, but the U.S. really surprised on the upside. Just to give you some numbers, uh, um, the, the U.S. Is, is up, I think, uh, roughly 24%. But it's just recovering from last year's 19%. Asia, X, Japan is probably up 2%. But again, it hasn't really recovered from the 19% fall last year. Uh, meanwhile, in Singapore, no, Singapore is down 4% this year, up 4% last year. Well, nothing happened in Singapore. Uh, so so uh, just to, to refresh or recollect what happened in, uh, this year, I think the initial boost for the US was uh, AI. You know, then came all the bank failures. But the Fed... Surprised everyone with a six, three, almost a three hundred billion plus of uh, funding support for for those banks and for the banking system in general, but the real biggest uh, surprise is most of uh, economists and even strategists were expecting a, a recession in the U.S. was really the huge government deficit uh, out of the U.S. I think they expanded the economy roughly U.S. one trillion. That accounts for almost roughly three percentage points of growth mm. or almost half of the growth in the U.S. Mm, okay, I see, I see. So what were some of the key themes surrounding markets this year? Uh, globally, was, I think you probably see it in all the headlines. Was, uh, of course, AI, uh, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Yep. Uh, the next was uh, uh, the strength of the U.S. economy. The soft landing narrative, I think, became uh, strong, stronger as we entered into the second half. And... Um, the largest is probably softer than expected China. Mm. But we were all you know, banking on you know, the huge reopening, right. which fizzled out yeah, probably in the second quarter. Um, but, uh, so macro-wise, I mean, US economy came nothing near the recession forecast you know, most observers had. And, and despite the resilient growth, you know, we, we did get this inflation and, or slower uh, inflation rate. So it was a, virtually like a Goldilocks scenario for the US economy. Hmm. Okay, okay. So what are some of the top picks of asset classes this year for you? I think for this year, uh, we, we were asking investors to, to buy into duration. Uh, our prognosis was basically economic growth was stalling and, and sliding. I think what we did see exports falling or, or should I say collapsing. Uh, I think exports in the, or imports in the U.S. was down as much as 30%. Uh, but no services helped out very well in the U.S. 
So, so directionally, it was the right thing, but the pace was more back-ended. So when I mean duration, uh, no, just to refresh, is that uh, duration, what we meant was to buy you know, dividend-yielding names at banks and REITs and, and long-dated bonds. Mm. Uh, it, it worked a little bit, but because, uh, naturally most investors were interested in interest rates, but mainly in the front-end or short-dated deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we worry, you know, uh, but we worry about the reinvestment or rollover risk because we think you no know, interest rates will be you know, sliding down. Mm, I see, I see. So then, will these picks continue to be your top picks for next year? What are you looking out for? Okay, this year. Okay, uh, so for this year, we still think uh, economic growth is still on a downtrend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are there are multiple pressure points uh, for the U.S. economy. I think uh, we still see the huge excess savings they had in the the two trillion plus that they enjoyed during the pandemic that, that continues to to decline. So that's number one. Uh, we naturally have the the student debt and and also we have most lower social security benefits, which is as lower as much as forty billion. Mm-hmm. And this is it's huge, you know, because it's a direct handout. Uh, but having said that, it doesn't mean this mean that the U.S. will fall into a deep recession, but we. Definitely going to see uh, uh, a slower economic uh, conditions for the US. Uh, but I guess the good thing is that despite this big economic uh, backdrop, I think asset prices can rally. I think the Fed meet, the Fed, the FMC meeting in December was a real game changer because I think right now we basically found a backstop to any decline in asset prices. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is called the Fed. So the Federal Reserve is you know, not only willing to cut three times, I mean, based on their projections, but they're looking to do it uh, preemptively. Mm-hmm. So what we mean is that even if economic conditions may not slow just dramatically, they, you know, they're actually willing to, to cut rates even before then. Mm-hmm. So that's a, uh, that really gives uh, support to the or to asset prices. So what were some asset classes that underperformed this year then? Chinese equity and emerging <laughs> markets was the one or the worst one. Oh. Uh, the, yeah, the, the weak economy in China and uh, asset deflation in China was uh, worse than expected. You know, typically when there's a slowdown in the US, you, you just have to think a bit, bit and relax a bit of the property or real estate, real estate uh, uh, measures and, and you, you typically get a, a strong response. So this was usually the short-term lever for the Chinese economy. You know, any slowdown just turn on the property and, and you know, it's as much as 30% of the Chinese economy and it supports the upstream you know, commodities, downstream furniture, uh, it helps local government finances, it helps short bank collateral. But we didn't get that this year. Don't right. So despite all the cool, all the relaxation, the property continues to slide. Mm. So, uh, but then the worry for China was that the monetary and fiscal response to this slowdown was muted. I mean, mm. more muted than expected. Mm. Uh, then you know, uh, emerging markets must uh, this closer to home here, especially in ASEAN. You know, we had currency pressure, weak export environment, mm. inflation hurting consumer confidence and spending. I mean, so so everything like like it was like a, a trajectory. It was a you no know, multiple factors that, that yeah. pulled down ASEAN. Yeah, I see, I see. Well, then will Chinese equities or emerging markets, you know, see a reversal in twenty twenty four and outperform? Is there a chance for that happening? I think it's still going to be hard. Uh, um, it's going to be hard because we need to see the private spe- sector rebound more meaningfully. Mm-hmm. So what, what we mean by that is that confidence is really poor. I think one of the better indicators is that if you look at fixed asset investments, uh, it, it is unprecedented that you no, know, the private sector is actually contracting. Mm. Uh, whereas of course government 
still rising. So uh, until uh, we get a stronger fiscal response, uh, I think it's, it's going to be hard for us to preemptively uh, assume a bounce in China's growth. Because all this is policy driven and you, you you know the the level of transparency you're gonna get, you know, is pretty low. Mm. Uh but for us uh, we are optimistic on ASEAN. I think we, we do see more fiscal support from the government, uh, especially in Thailand. And you know uh structurally you know we do see this stream of uh, fixed asset investment coming into the region as um global manufacturers outsource more into you know this part of the of, of the world. ASEAN and away from China. The, the swing factor will be uh, ASEAN or Asian currency. That will be swing factor how strong uh, asset classes will perform in, in ASEAN. Well, looking ahead to 2024, Paul, what are some key factors or events that analysts are closely monitoring and what is the outlook for the financial markets in the coming year? I think for 2024, we, we're probably going to get this, I guess, like a better word, this dance between slow growth and monetary easing. Mm. Uh, so, so most critical to monitor is, in, is inflation. So so long as that continues to slide, uh, regardless of the pace, I mean, uh, sometimes it might be out or down, but as so long as uh, directionally inflation is coming down, uh, we, 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 can get, we, we can get the script that has been um, I guess written by the Fed that we're going to get support from them. Mm-hmm. So anytime we get slow growth, then you know, the Fed will just come in and say they're looking to ease or looking to cut. And, and, and historically... Uh, if you look at the last, I think the last, we did a, a study, the last 10 times the Fed did a cut, I think markets did typically uh, perform perform well on a 12-month basis, mm-hmm. be it US equities or Singapore equities. Mm, okay. On that note, will 2024 be better than 2023? I think 2024 will be better, uh, especially we still think uh, outside the, the US, uh, except maybe technology, aside maybe technology, but uh-huh. because uh, yeah, as, as mentioned, uh, any any economic slowdown, you're just going to get a monetary response. Mm. Uh, but what we really need is a stronger aggregate demand globally, and and not just confined to the US. Most of the growth coming out now is really dependent on the on the US, especially the US consumer. So so to enjoy this, I guess more distributed growth globally, uh, we need a weaker US dollar mm. so that the no, no demand, global demand can be redistributed to the rest of the world. So when US dollar is strong, it's just going to constrain uh, the rest of the world. And and theoretically, that shouldn't be the way because you know, most of Asia has no uh, current account surpluses and, and they should be the ones driving growth because they have the surplus to spend. But again, uh, this is not a, a following the textbooks uh, and instead it's all, all heavy too relying on, on the US economy to, right. for global growth. Right, right. So do you have any tips or advice for investors for the upcoming year? What are some key lessons we can take away from this year? Yeah, I mean, every year I have many lessons because I make so many mistakes. But I, I guess the, the one thing is that every year we, we have one uh, macro variable that will, I guess, dictate uh, market activity mm-hmm. or market narrative. So not last year, uh, 2022 was inflation uh, spiking. Then uh, this year was the huge uh, fiscal spending by the uh, by the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think next year we think will be you know back to to interest rates. I think so long as uh, we get a sense that the Fed is ready to cut, then I think that will kind of give a backstop again uh, to the equities. Uh, uh, but I will hedge the portfolio. I think not with gold. I mean, you can still hedge your your portfolio with gold, but but really with commodities, I think, uh, especially oil. 
I think the, the Achilles heel for any portfolio right now, uh, I think the equities or bonds is going to be inflation. Mm-hmm. So to, to hedge out, to hedge that out, I guess, uh, rather than gold, which, which is going to be useful too, because next year we're going to have two elections, or Taiwan and, and US. Right. Uh, but 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 what we want is to gain some exposure to commodities, uh, because if if inflation doesn't follow to script, uh, if commodities really really, then it's going to hurt your equities. Mm and bond portfolio because interest rates cannot come down and, and you're going to have this you know, slow growth environment. So, so asset allocation-wise, we're beating some commodities, namely in oil. But again, you know, we don't have like outright specific uh, recommendations. But again, asset allocation-wise, it, it can be you know, oil and gas, stocks, bonds, or ETFs. I mean, that's probably one of our advice for mm. next year. Okay, okay. So then how can financial houses like, you know, Philip Capital help investors pad their portfolios for the upcoming year? Would you say now is the time to reevaluate and reallocate our assets? I think for me at least, uh, in terms of asset allocation, I think any changes you do, I mean, because you are investing for, for the for the run run, any mm-hmm. changes you only, not only do it modestly. Mm. Not to, because if you do any drastic changes, you know, you are not technically trying to time the market, which is obviously not, not advisable. Right. Uh, my, my own personal favorite, I think, is to just allocate more to assets with the worst headlines. Mm. So, you know, 2022, you know, Europe was the worst and, and actually performed pretty well, especially the banks. And you know, uh, technology was also one of the worst in headlines last year, 22, and, and again, performed well. So this year, of course, the worst performer is China. So again, it's up to the to the listener to, to decide, you know, uh, depending on their list, risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but at Philip, now we, we have multiple touch points to, to support clients. You know. uh, we have the trading app poems you know, with access to global exchanges. So you can trade bonds, equities, options, mm-hmm. uh, even CFD, you know, whatever is your flavor. Uh, and, and not only that, uh, we, we do conduct regular training and events to educate clients. Uh, e- events not, not only just by our salespeople or uh, to train or, uh, or educate investors, but we also have access to listed companies, mm-hmm. almost 60 to 70 a year. And and we have branches, you know, if you want personalized service, you know, in, in addition to our you know, several hundred financial advisors and trading apps out there you know, to, to advise clients. And finally, we, we also have you no know, fund managers for personalized uh, portfolio. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for your time and your insights today. Thanks so much and and wish everyone uh, uh, and all the listeners a a very happy Christmas and a blessed New Year. You too. We've been speaking with Paul Chu, who's the head of research at Philip Securities Research. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money and the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.